the Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. It is that time again to sort through the bodies, the successes, the destruction, the numbers. We welcome you in on a Monday to Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com. Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers with you. And yes, it is a Monday. Uh, just a few things to go through as uh, we escape another weekend of NFL and fantasy and DFS fun. A uh, lot to come your way over the next hour. We will go game by game and uh, number by number to give you all of our thoughts on what went down on Sunday. And we'll get you a preview of Monday Night Football. Ryan Clifford set to join us with his thoughts on the DFS showdown between Denver and Buffalo. Uh, Ray, I, I brought this up last week. It has uh, totally been true thus far. I said you could not dream up four worse matchups in prime time for the NFL. Uh, so we had the Bears and the Panthers, 16 to 13. We had the Colts and the Patriots, 10 to 6. Wow. We had the Jets and the Raiders, 16 to 12. Yikes. And tonight, Ray, the Broncos and the Bills. Will, will, will we get a game tonight, you think? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's – yeah. Yeah, I think tonight – let's have the finger crossed, at least one side, right? Um I don't know, man. This and a lot of people are talking about it now. I think as each week goes on, it becomes a little more obvious that there's a bunch of crappy offenses and a bunch yeah. of teams that don't really do anything on that side of the football. And so we're 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 trudging through a 2023 season. It's not necessarily been exciting from a football perspective or necessarily from a fantasy perspective either. Let, let me ask you this. Um, one solution has been why don't we flex everything for primetime games? Like we have that for Sunday night football. Like the idea that NBC, if it's a bad matchup, which I thought last night constituted that, but they chose not to play. Well, Aaron Rodgers was on the sidelines, Kyle, getting a chance to talk to Devontae Adams. And and, and they only get so many flex opportunities over the course of the year. So I guess they're saving them for later. But um, the idea of flexing Thursday and Monday and Sunday, Ray, I think that just kind of makes it silly to even have a schedule if you're going to allow that kind of stuff. Well, I hope they don't do it because that would really screw my schedule up the way I put the articles together each week and everything like that. I mean, and you you and I touched on this on Friday after we were discussing that Thursday night football game. People are going to watch regardless. Why put a good game on in prime time when people are watching anyway? You want to put all the crappy games in prime. It's counterintuitive, but you want to put all the crap-ass games in yeah. prime time because people are going to watch it anyway. So, you know, the casual fan, you're not picking them up. But at this point in time, is anyone really a casual fan? I think people just love football. Well, and, and the Sunday flex, they only look at Sunday games. And let's say it's an early afternoon game. They flex it to the evening. That's that's not a huge alteration for a team. And they, they have to make that decision, I think, 10 to 14 days out. But flexing like a Sunday game to a Thursday is gigantic. You can't yeah. do that. And even flexing a Sunday to a Monday can kind of get an, into a messy situation. So... I, I don't know. Maybe they just have to do a better job of predicting things. Right? Right? Maybe they should hire you and I to predict how a season will go because you and I are damn near flawless with predicting things in August that are totally true come November 13th. Yeah, you predicted the success of the Giants last year and their fall <laughs> this year as an example. So perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, speaking of the Giants, before we dig into this weekend, my favorite stat coming out of Sunday, absolute favorite, is that Lamar Jackson, in the past three weeks, the last three games, has produced as many touchdowns in three games as Tommy DeVito did yesterday. 
How about that? Ray, Tommy DeVito, two touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. Didn't run for any, but two touchdowns. Versus Lamar Jackson, Ray, who has created two touchdowns in the last three weeks. Two! And, and the thing is, the Ravens are scoring, Ray, but Lamar Jackson, like, isn't involved. It's it's confounding. Two t- rushing, passing, whatever. Two touchdowns in three weeks for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and he gave me a chance, to, Mr. DeVito, by the way, to win in my Dynasty League matchup this week <laughs> after I lost Daniel Jones and Justin Fields is not playing. So, yes, uh, I, I tweeted this out yesterday, Sunday morning at SiriusXM Fantasy when I'm there, you know, answering questions and all that. Um, I tweeted out the fact that, you know, Lamar Jackson has one game of 240 passing yards. He fell below that mark again yesterday. There were 13 guys heading into this weekend who are averaging 240 passing yards a game. He has one game like that all season long. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the lack of touchdowns. Uh, you're, he yesterday, you know, was saved by interceptions being called back and he had a, a pick yeah. sick. Like there was a lot, could have been even worse than it was yesterday for Lamar Jackson. And, you know, there there are were and are people that are concerned about playing him. And at the end of the day, he's still a top five quarterback. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, the running saves him. But uh, that offense, you know, Jeff Mans has talked about it a lot in his show. That offense just it's different. And some people are excited about the changes they've made. But really, it's no better than in years past. And Lamar continues to be up and down on a weekly basis. Obviously, we'll talk about that Ravens-Browns game. Kind of a shocker that the Browns, down two touchdowns, were able to come back. Um, Elsewhere in this Week 10 recap, we will talk about all the excitement that the Chargers and the Lions gave us late on Sunday afternoon. And speaking of uh, excitement, late day on Sunday, Dak Prescott. Check out the run that Dak and Lamb are on. We will uh, get to that. Uh, C.J. Stroud to Noah Brown. Is it really a thing? It might be after two straight weeks. We'll talk about the San Francisco 49er defense manhandling the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. Of course, we saw the return of Kyler Murray. Ray and I will give our takes on what we saw there. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson is reaching new heights. Double-digit catches in Week 10. Uh, Let's see, he had 11 catches. The Jets, we were just talking about that. The the Jets run of futility, 11 quarters without a touchdown. (laughs) Yikes. And, of course, we got to talk about the New England Patriots. Will Mac Jones ever be back? Or is it done after yesterday in Indianapolis? So, Ray, let's begin our journey through Week 10. Let's have some fun here. Let's talk over the games. As always, people can comment in the YouTube room if you've got... Any questions, any thoughts, we are happy to help you with anything that uh, pops on there. I guess, Ray, we'll, we'll start with Baltimore-Cleveland, kind of a decent spot to go to. Um, I, I thought of this yesterday, and, and maybe it's already happening. I, I will admit I haven't really journeyed into the world of NFL breakdowns yet today. But I'm guessing people are now trying to tell us that Deshaun Watson's like back. I, I heard some of that yesterday. Like, oh, man, Deshaun Watson, look at that second half, and look what the Browns did. Right, Deshaun Watson's not back. I'm watching this game. It's great, 14 of 14, but back for Deshaun Watson is like top two, top three in fantasy football. He ain't back. He's fine. Well, and maybe he's fine. He had an ankle brace on after the game yesterday, but Cleveland got the win. Huge win, but Ray, in that game, it's nothing really Deshaun Watson did. It was a team effort. It was a defensive effort. I thought the Ravens kind of blew it. Uh, good to see, but for fantasy players, I'm not buying this write-up that Deshaun Watson like has rediscovered his form of three or four years ago. It's really interesting, isn't it? And I think this is a great example of how players, because we like to, a lot of people like to think that players are great or players suck. 
right? And it doesn't matter yeah. where they are, what they're doing, they're great or they suck. Isn't this a prime example of everything around you matters a ton? Because like you're saying, a couple of years ago when he was throwing for 4,800 yards and 30 touchdowns, he was a dominant elite quarterback on the field and in the fantasy space. Now he's with the Browns and the Browns are going to run it for 150 yards a game. They want the quarterback to throw it 32 times a week. And he's kind of just a guy. And watching the game, I mean, it's fantastic. They won. They came back 33 to 31 to beat the Ravens. But he, I wasn't impressed by anything he did. I mean, he had a couple of nice runs, I guess, to escape the pocket. You know, we'll use athleticism, but eh? he didn't elevate anyone. He, He made some bad passes. He, he just doesn't – he's not exuding – for me, Kyle, when I'm watching him, he's not exuding the confidence he used to, and maybe that's you know me picking on things. But I totally agree with you. He's not back. Yeah. They won a football game, and they're 6-3, and three, and they're starting to build momentum here toward the playoffs. But he is not back at all to where he was a couple of years ago. And, and okay, 14 of 14. What does that mean that he did in the first half? Six for 20. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's <laughs> – Let's not get carried away. It's 213 yards. It's like, this is nothing. So I, I wanted to address that off the top. The, the other situation here in this game, Ray, from a fantasy perspective, mm-hmm. a lot of questions about Keaton Mitchell yep. last week. And he was a, a big pickup. People spent money. People stuck him in their lineup. Or maybe they got him and, and they left him on their bench uh, because of the matchup against Cleveland. I, I guess everybody's right to an extent, Ray. Um, I feel better about where I stand than where the other people stand. I mean, I, we said it last week. Where's the work? Where's it going to come from? Can he get anything more than like a max of 10 touches? Uh, he didn't come close to 10 touches yesterday. Ray is holding up the four fingers. But, Ray, he kind of had the Devon Achan kind of performance. True. A few touches, but big touches when he got the chance got a touchdown he had 71 yards on his first two touches and then nothing the rest of the game from this Ravens offense yeah we posted a a clip on YouTube youtube.com slash at elite plus network we posted a clip you and I talking about Mitchell last week and one of the users commented don't remove this because you're going to be wrong in the end and I'm like okay (laughs) we'll repost it then (laughs) yeah yeah well he had he had four touches okay and and this is this is what we run into all the time in the fantasy space people look at a highlight or they look at the box score where there's a touchdown and they think everything's fine he played 13 snaps yeah he saw the ball four times the first time he touched the ball if I'm not mistaken he ripped off the touchdown run right so it's like okay so he goes out and does this dynamic thing and what does the coaching staff do they don't play him yeah. What do they do? They don't give him the ball. Oh, by the way, he had 39-yard touchdown run. His carry total was three. His actual yardage total for the game was 34. He lost five yards on his other two carries. So, I mean, yeah, if you played him, I guess you got to win because he yeah. got in the end zone. But 13 snaps and four touches ain't going to work, and that's where he was yesterday. And, and Gus Edwards is still the guy in the green zone. He had a touchdown. He didn't do anything. Nope. But but he he's the guy that when they're inside the 10, inside the 5, they're going to go with. And if it's not Gus, it's probably Lamar Jackson. So, so that's working against somebody like Mitchell. Um, additionally, I'll throw out, and maybe this is why he didn't get work. He dropped a pass in the end zone. In the end zone. Yeah. And, and that was something that kind of hurt a lot of guys yesterday. There were some bad dropped touchdowns. Tyler Boyd, Mike Evans had a horrendous drop in the end zone that a guy of his ill should never be so it happens but but i you know mitchell could have had a massive game and everybody would have been crowing but i still look at touches and and ray brings up 13 snaps if you're cool with that which shouldn't be then go for it you know if, if that's what you paid for and that's what you expect i guess you can say oh i only expect 13 snaps a week well then you got what you wanted 
Uh, but I don't think that's what anybody's believing in when they picked up Keaton Mitchell. Uh, so again, 32, or excuse me, 33 to uh, 31, the final score there. Big win for Cleveland. Uh, Baltimore kind of, man, when they lose, they, they kind of crap the bed. They, they've done that a few times this year. Uh, we were talking about Deshaun Watson in Houston, Ray. Uh, let's go to the Texans. Uh, they're one of the big stories coming out of Sunday because they go on the road to Cincinnati and they need a last second field goal to win, but they kind of dominated this game. They had some defensive difficulties late. Cincinnati kind of opened things up. Uh, C.J. Stroud had a very rare interception that kept the Bengals in the game. Eventually, though, the Texans win it, and, and Stroud was not as great as he was in Week 9, Ray, but he was still very good. Uh, the fantasy numbers were pulled back, you know, from 470 yards to like 360. But um, I, the thing that shocked me, you know, I may have been right about Mitchell in Baltimore. Ray, I got to say I was wrong about Noah Brown in Houston. I kind of said, ah, oh, one-off, whatever, you know, who cares about Noah Brown? He turned it up another notch in week 10. Uh, he was at 153 yards in week nine. Ray, he went for 172 in that game against the Bengals on Sunday. Yeah, and it's it's tough because anyone, that, even if you picked him up after his 100-yard effort last time out, right? Did you have him active yesterday? I think we had him ranked like 39th at the wide receiver position. So maybe some people had him active. Now everyone's going to have him active. We got a couple yeah. of things going on, though. Let's just be clear about this. One, Nico Collins was out, right? So that's a, that's a huge negative. You know, he doesn't have – he's not out there soaking up targets and all that. Number two, Tank Dell still had 14 targets. 14 targets uh, there. He played 16 more snaps. He ran seven more routes. So as great as Brown has been, you know, there's likely some pullback there because of the, the guys around him. And, you know, Robert Woods in his first game back should have had a touchdown but he stepped on the end line before he caught the pass. So the bottom line is Stroud is really good. <laughs> the offense is operating at a very high level. Singletary looked pretty damn good after Damian Pierce hadn't done anything all season long. And like you said, the, the Texans really did dominate the majority of this game, even though they barely emerged with the victory late. Noah Brown, I mean, Collins is back. Dell is there. Woods is there. I'm not going to sit here and say we ignore the last two weeks. because That'd be dumb. Yeah. But I can't anticipate Noah Brown, you know, catching five balls for 100 yards every week. There, I don't think there's enough volume there for him to consi consistently do what he's been doing the last couple. Yeah, Henry in the chat room says he actually chose Stroud over Lamar Jackson. And that's a difficult decision. I, I would have looked at both those guys as QB1s going into the week. And I probably would have given the edge to Lamar Jackson. But obviously, Henry made the, the better choice by going with Stroud. And it brings up the question, Ray, for a lot of people, C.J. Stroud is their backup quarterback in fantasy. Um, they, they may have a Lamar Jackson or a Joe Burrow or whomever it is. We talked about this last week, you and I, and I think you were much more of Stroud's a QB one. I was not. I kind of said high in QB two. I was looking at the schedule uh, for CJ Stroud. And the reason I'm going to say QB two, and you can totally disagree with me. Um, he does have good matchups. Like in, in the coming weeks, what are we looking at here? Two games against Tennessee. Arizona, Indianapolis, Denver. Those are good matchups. He also has games against the Jets and the Browns. Yeah. I, I'm probably not starting him in those games. Now, I could be totally wrong, and I'm talking, you know, five, six weeks into the future. We'll have to see how things turn out. But the reason I still have Stroud as, like, more of a QB2, Ray, is I kind of look at certain matchups or being on the road and say, ah, I'd rather have somebody else. Where for me, a QB1 is like, I'm rolling with that guy pretty well every week. I don't know if Stroud's reached that level now again you were there last week so i assume you're still there this week 
Well, yeah, but you know, he got the rushing. That was the thing we talked about last week too. Kind of my trepidation is that he's not really a running quarterback. Had a rushing touchdown, but he ran for eight yards. Yeah. Um, I, I think that you know this is a this is a team in Houston that's playing well. Obviously, the coach has helped. Obviously, the quarterback has helped. They're gelling. They're moving in the right direction. They're winning games. They're not a championship level team yet. They're not, but they're building. And I think Stroud. You know, we talked about this a lot last week with Bryce Young and Stroud. They're in different hemispheres right now. They're just in different hemispheres. Stroud is calm. He's cool in the pocket. He looks like Deshaun Watson used to look, minus the running part. Like, he mm-hmm. just seems like he's always in control, right? He's scrambling around. He's still feathering passes. into. I'm very impressed. Can he be a QB1 the rest of the way he can? But as you noted, those difficult matchups, especially as we get closer to the fantasy playoffs, they're going to be a test for the youngster. Got two more things with Houston. Uh, one's in the backfield. One's a uh, statement from our buddy Rob Povey in the chat room. He's he's got a, he's in a spot where Schultz is like his tight end, Dalton Schultz, mm-hmm. um, and Tank Dell is one of his receivers. And the question of starting two. And, and Ray, this is something that we run into midseason. You know, after the halfway point of you know surprises occur, and they're pleasant surprises. You know, Dalton Schultz, you draft him as your tight end one. I'm I'm a believer. Hey, if you draft one tight end, that's your tight end. So for me, Dalton Schultz is starting every week. And then all of a sudden, well, Tank Dell's kind of becoming a thing. Ray, in that situation, or others like them, I, I think you can roll with both. You know, I'm not looking at Houston and saying they're a great offense. Obviously, they're not a bad offense. But this is one of those situational things that kind of changes over the course of the year. Um, i got to roll with Dalton Schultz because he's a decent enough tight end every week. And, and yep. Tank Dell, I mean, hell. What was it 14 targets? 14 targets. And I know it's not perfect to rely that much on Houston. I, I'm in a league where the way things have worked with, with injuries, with bad moves on the waiver wire, um, with, with being a, a three wide receiver, two flex league. I'm in a league, Ray, where I've got Michael Pittman, uh, Josh Downs, and two, three weeks ago, Zach Moss. Mm. All in my start. And I didn't plan it that way. I didn't draft that way. It just kind of felt. And I had to start them. They were the best option. So I, it's not a perfect world. But if I'm rolling with Dell and Schultz, assuming the matchups are okay, I've got no major issue with having two t- Texans in my lineup every week. Well, I think that you don't draft a team that way, right? But once you, like you said, once you start get going, you make moves on the waiver wire, you make a trade. And, and maybe, now I would say this. I wouldn't feel comfortable with Kittle and Ayuk. I wouldn't feel comfortable with Kelsey and Rice. Like, I just don't like the combination because of multiple factors. One, weather can be an issue. Two, if Stroud goes down with an injury, what does the offense look like? Now you got multiple guys going. Three, what if they have a game where they have success on the ground? They don't throw the ball that much. And four, what if one of the guys stars and takes all the looks from the other guy? So I think the answer of do you play Schultz, like you said, you have to play Schultz. I don't think you're doing better at tight end. The question about Tank Dell is really who else you have. Uh, and, you know, maybe there are scenarios where it's the best play this week. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have the rankings over at fantasyguru.com. I think we had Dell ranked 19th or 20th this week at wide receiver. So we were, we were very bullish on him. And, the, you know, the results were good. Six catches for 56 yards and a score. Didn't have the huge game, but he did have the 14 targets. I think it's less than ideal to be playing the tight end and wide receiver from the same team. But I think in some scenarios it does work. And then the backfield. Um, Devin Singletary. <laughs> Hey, folks, if you had him on your bench and you missed out, what do you have, over 160 yards and a touchdown, do not blame yourself. Like, Ray, Devin Singletary has been in a coma all year. He's been terrible. Um, I mentioned 160 yards on Sunday. I, I don't think he'd even topped 65 total yards in a game this year. 
before yesterday. He had zero touchdowns. But I bring him up, right? You say, oh, well, who cares? One game. You think he's the guy? Even when Damian Pierce is ready to go? Pierce hasn't shown much either. And at least Singletary has one game he can point to and say, well, look what I did against the Bengals. I I think there could be a changing of the guard there in the Texans' backfield. Yeah, Devin Singletary's never been known as a guy who runs people over, right? Let's be honest about that. But he had three yards of carry after contact yesterday, which is a big number. And he looked good. He looked explosive. He looked shifty. I think it's really difficult because I think we have a scenario here very similar to the Steelers in that the quote-unquote backup, Warren Singletary, brings a different dynamic than the starter, Harris Pierce, right? They're different stylistic players. Uh, the backup is is more exciting, more flashy, more capable of contributing in the passing game. The starter is more the guy that will move the pile to get the short yardage work, that kind of thing. I think that before yesterday, whoever it was in the Texans' backfield that was starting was running, you know, 14 times for 50, 41 yards. Like, no one was having success running the football. Then we saw the effort yesterday with Singletary. Uh, I could see a scenario where that could switch, to your point, where Singletary becomes the 1A and Pierce becomes the 1B. But because they bring such different skill sets to the table, I think the usage on a weekly basis based upon where they are on the football field, are they at the 26-yard line, are they at the four-yard line, the matchup with the opponent, how good are they against the run, do they need to spread the field out, are they going more north-south? I think that's a very difficult situation as we sit here today to say definitively that Devin Singletary is now the starter for this team. Could be, but I don't think Damian Pierce is going to go away and we're going to see 22 touches a week for Singletary and three for Pierce. A quick thought on the Bengals side. I the 27 points are fairly misleading, I think, here. They didn't play all that well. Um, Joe Burrow was fine. It was good to see Jamar Chase. You know, he was cleared to play, had a big moment, pretty big game when it was all said and done. Uh, Joe Mixon, Ray, we are now 0 for 9 on the season of getting him to 100 yards rushing. And we're actually 0 for 9 of getting him to even 90 yards rushing. Th this has been a slog of a year for Joe Mixon, hasn't it? And every running back carry went to Joe Mixon yesterday. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, it has been a slog. And the offense has been uneven, right? It started out terribly. Uh, Burrow wasn't at 100%. T. Higgins has been in and out of the lineup. He missed the game again yesterday. Uh, Jamar Chase had the 5 124 on the touchdown, but he, you know, only had six targets. And I, th I have to think that has to do with his back, right? Um, so I don't, I don't think they've been firing on all cylinders. It looked like everything was moving in the right direction. Uh, and then honestly, Tyler Boyd happened yesterday. You talked mm -hmm. about drops. Tyler Boyd, and I hate to do this because it's, you know, fourth quarter play is the same as the first quarter play. Blew the game. Yeah. He caught that ball in the end zone with under two minutes left. The Bengals win that football game, I think. So then, then everything looks different too. We can forgive Mixon for not being great. Now they're six and three versus five and four. Joe Mixon's uh, value in the fantasy game is he's the starting running back. He's the only running back that sees the field, that touches the ball in an offense that should be very effective. He has been extremely boring, if not poor, on a per-touch basis. Uh, big win for the Houston Texans. They've now got uh, visions, perhaps, of the playoffs. And, and, Ray, they may have visions of an AFC South title, which is crazy <laughs> to think about. Uh, Jacksonville just gets stomped on Sunday by the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, Christian McCaffrey, the TD streak is over. Th they did have him in late. Right? I mean, they're, they're you know, up four and a half touchdowns. And they're trying to get McCaffrey in the end zone late, Ray. Mm -hmm. I, I don't own McCaffrey anywhere, but I'm looking at that. If I own McCaffrey, he had a good game. What, 22 touches, like 150 yards. The mm -hmm. usual. 
You just didn't have the touchdown. But they have him in late there, Ray, trying to get this record. And considering his history and his importance to the 49ers, I'll just say I thought that was rather foolish of Kyle Shanahan to, like, try and keep that record. I get it. And personally, it's a cool record. But that, that came off rather stupid, even though McCaffrey didn't appear to get hurt late. Yeah, doing things for the sake of the record book outside the bounds of the normalcy of the game, which is what this was. They were just feeding him the ball late. Dumb. Uh, you're up 34 to three in a game that's over. Dumb. And Jeff Mann said it on Twitter. Uh, he said out, if, if, you know, CMC tears his ACL there, yeah. San Francisco fans should riot. Like, you know, you're trying to win the Super Bowl and you got this guy out here in a 31 point lead in the fourth quarter of a meaningless game. Uh, yeah, I, you know, whatever. And, you know, whatever. The, the Niners. Like you said, I think my big takeaway wasn't that, though. You're, that would be the biggest storyline of all time yeah. if he got hurt. It was the fact the Jaguars, like you said, they got stomped. Ugh. They just got stomped in their home yard. And, you know, for me, the Trevor Lawrence experiment, it's, it's not good. Mm-hmm. He was horrible two years ago. He was ascending last year. And this year, he looks more like the guy from two years ago. He's got a touchdown pass a game and a turnover a game. He's doing nothing. I I saw the number. It's nine games into this season. He's got two games with more than one touchdown throw. That that is shot. He was supposed to ascend, Ray, into like the top six, top seven amongst quarterbacks this year. He's nowhere near that halfway through the year. And if I'm not mistaken, he's got 10 turnovers in nine games. If you add up his interceptions and his fumbles. And... You know, the highlight of his game yesterday was chasing down dude on that inter- on that pickup and the fumble and tackling him in the end zone late. It's bad. It's really bad. And it's you know the Jaguars are six and three and their playoff aspirations and all that. And from a fantasy perspective, though, Trevor Lawrence is doing nothing. You know, uh, Calvin Ridley is doing nothing. The offense is stagnating way too frequently. And you know, Trevor Lawrence, like you said, Trevor Lawrence wasn't supposed to be good. He was supposed to be great. Still yeah. time for him to get there and all that. But right now, I mean, I, he's he's a difficult start right now. Let's just call it. If you're in a 12-team league, he's a difficult start right now, even with the fact that, you know, we've got teams on by and injuries and all that. We had him as a QB1 in week number uh, 10 against the Niners, right there at the bottom of it. Uh, so I told a lot of people, hey, look, I'm in. They had an extra week off, you know, the time to figure this out. They looked like ass. He is now a certain... I'm not sure if I should start a player moving forward. Well, there's still a game up on on Houston. They're six and three, but again, it's a misleading six and three. Like I'm looking at this, Ray. One of the reasons they've managed this record is defensive turnovers. They are number one in the NFL in forcing turnovers. And so that has allowed them to survive a rather ordinary offensive season. And I say ordinary, you, you can, it, it's fine if you're an ordinary offense. You know, I kind of think Baltimore is a pretty ordinary offense, but they can certainly do some damage in the playoffs. But, Ray, the Jaguars, with what they have on that side of the football, they're not supposed to be ordinary. They're supposed to be, like, top five. Right now, they're 15th in points. Um, I'm shocked by the lack of throwing. Mm -hmm. They're right in the middle for pass attempts this year. Um, You know, you mentioned Ridley and Christian Kirk. Just to revisit an argument that was, like, everywhere in the preseason, nine games in, here's what we've got. Ridley, 35 catches, Christian Kirk, 49. Christian Kirk, 624 yards, Ridley, 471. Kirk's also got him beaten on touchdowns three to two. Ray, Christian Kirk is is the number one here. Calvin Ridley, like, disappears for entire halves of football with this Jaguars team. 
Yeah, and this again, I think it's another example too. Remember, Matt Ryan sucks, Matt Ryan sucks, Matt Ryan sucks. When Matt Ryan was throwing the ball to Calvin Ridley, he was catching six passes a week. Um, the That Calvin was Ridley, pre-Arthur Smith though. Yeah, yeah that's true. Fair <laughs> point. Fair point. Uh, Calvin Ridley has played a good game and a half this year. I mean, that's yeah. you know, in terms of his statistical output. Trevor, uh, Christian Kirk is the only consistent guy. And I say that knowing that, you know, we had another four catches for Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram doesn't score touchdowns and he had 12 yards yesterday. The most consistent pass catcher on this team is Christian Kirk. And it's not close. And I think that I want to say the majority of people said Ridley over Kirk, or they said it's, it's basically a toss up. Well, like you said, nine games through, this has not even been close to a toss up. It's been a whitewashing. Uh, Kirk is. I, I feel like Ridley Ray was loved like a top. Yeah. 30 pick, 35. I don't feel Kirk was anywhere near that in the preseason. We definitely over at fantasyguru.com definitely had Ridley higher. No okay. doubt about it. Ridley's yeah. the cover boy of our um, magazine this year or our preseason product. So um, there's no debate. We had him higher. So I'm not giving myself. Everybody did. I, yeah. I don't think everybody was leaning Ridley over Kirk. But it's like seven of eight weeks. Kirk has scored a touchdown or caught six passes. I mean, it's it's not in it. So it's not even just the numbers that you referenced are bigger overall. He's there every week. The Ridley thing, uh, I mean, I think this partly we got a problem with how they're utilizing him. Partly we also have the issue that we have to address. Missing a year of football is not easy. Mm -hmm. It's just, And we see it time and time and time again. And we always want to think this next guy, oh, he'll be the guy that refutes. It doesn't really happen, pal. Yeah. Uh, back to San Francisco, Brock Purdy, back to the Purdy-rific ways. Uh, three touchdowns, no picks. He was solid. McCaffrey doing his thing. Ayuk, by the way, Brandon Ayuk, first touchdown since week one. Uh, Debo Samuel was out there. He had a rushing touchdown. Kittle had a big game. Uh, defense was dominant. That, that's a, a perfect San Francisco game. And how quickly a story can change. You know, before yesterday, it's like, oh, my God, they're on the cusp of, of falling apart. Uh, well, now nobody's saying that about San Francisco. It is a week-to-week league. Uh, next week, if they lose, then it'll be the heavens are falling yet again, uh, which leads us right to the Dallas Cowboys, where, um, you know, at multiple points over the course of a year, everybody falls in love with Dallas and then they fall out of love. And, you know, Dallas went to San Francisco a few weeks back and got, you know, embarrassed on national TV. And it's like, uh, same old paper Cowboys. And, and now, Ray, they're trending up again. You know, here come the Cowboys. And first things first, it, this Giants team is dreadful. They're just bad. You know, at least the Jets, who are bad, Ray, they have a really good defense so they can stay in games. The Giants don't. They, their defense is just there. And their offense is is pitiful. It's it's dead. It's well, They have a JV quarterback. It's their third string guy. They, they have a yeah. JV, if not yeah. a freshman level quarterback, yeah. Ray. Yeah. Um, two touchdowns for Tommy DeVito. 89 yards, I think. And so... <laughs> Ran for 41. <laughs> I, I look at it though, Ray. It's like, I mean, it, they're they're getting crushed in this game. Yeah. I mean, what was it at half? It was 28 nothing at half. Yeah. So, like, you're gonna be like, oh, they're gonna throw and throw and throw. Despite that, only 27 pass attempts. They, <laughs> they couldn't get four downs. They couldn't they couldn't I, I don't want to talk. Here's what I'll say about the Giants. This Saquon Barkley thing deserves watching. He is a pissed off dude, and I get it. it we touched on this last week. They're gonna ask him to, to handle the rock and carry it 20-plus times, and then say, see ya. We don't want to pay you. Thanks for getting your body beat up as you go into free aid. So we'll follow that thing. On the Cowboys' side, Ray, let's talk. They're, they're much more interesting. Yeah. Dak Prescott is in an explosive run. I'm, I'm trying to – I, I got to look this up. Has anybody had a three-game run 
where they've produced 12 total touchdowns like Dak Prescott's doing right now? Three games. I mean, he had five of them yesterday. He is he is sharp as a tack. Now, again, we've seen this, and it doesn't hold up, but Dak Prescott has looked like a superstar in the month of November. Yeah, they have 89 points in two games against the Giants, by the way. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, I think that this is really interesting, yeah, the Dak Prescott thing, because he did not look good at the start of the season. And it looked like he was going to be more of a game manager, which he has been at points in his career, versus the guy that's exciting in the fantasy space, which he's been at points in his career. Of late, he's been that guy. Now, some of it's the competition. The Giants, again, are awful. But as you noted, he's balling out. CeeDee Lamb is setting records. Um, the offense looks great through the air. But on the ground, yeah. we got an issue. So it's, it's rare that you see a team that's ascending and having putting all these points up on the board and all this fireworks. And nothing's really happening with the guy that was drafted to be an RB1. It's funny with Lamb. I think it was a few weeks ago, you and me. And I said this, not Ray. I said this. I go, you know, CeeDee Lamb's good. But he's not great. You know, he's not that A.J. Brown, Tyreek. He must have been following us here on Fantasy Sports Daily. Because, Ray, it's it's bonkers. The last four weeks, 41 catches, 517 yards and three touchdowns. He's bonkers. Had another huge effort. But the two other things with it, Brandon Cooks. Do you care? Like, Ray, Brandon Cooks is a name we know. He had more yards yesterday against the Giants than he had had all season. I don't care. Now, I didn't care about Noah Brown much either last week. <laughs> right. I don't care about Brandon Cooks. Am I wrong on that one? I don't think you're wrong. Uh, I think this week we had him like 38 at wide receiver, which, you know, was mostly about the matchup versus Cooks, like you said. We know Brandon Cooks. He can have big games. Games like this. I'd, you know, I'd be stunned. I'd fall off my chair if he had another game like this all season, probably the rest of his career, right? Uh, they're kind of searching for it. You know, they got Michael Gallup and Brooks and, you know, Tolbert. Here. Like, so they're kind of searching for that too, but they haven't really found it. The two's kind of been Ferguson, as we talked about last week. Uh, and he got in the end zone yet again this week. Uh, I don't think it's something to get excited about with Cooks. And I think the problem is someone in your league likely will. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you had him on your bench, Great. Let's see. Let's look at matchups. Let's break down some tape. If he's on the waiver wire and you're thinking about, I'm going to go spend, you know, 25% of my budget to add this guy, I wouldn't be making that mistake, Kyle. Brown, Brown over Cooks for the rest of the season? <laughs> I'd say yes. I would but too. I, yeah. I'm not, yes, but I'm not in the zone of, I really want to start either one with confidence okay. at this point. Let's go to this backfield. Uh, I was driving around over the weekend and I won't name names. But a certain analyst, Ray, said that Tony Pollard has a better chance at three touchdowns in this game <laughs> than he does at zero. <laughs> oh, no. Which I, hey, it's a it's a fun thing to say. And I, at the moment, Ray, I didn't say, oh my God, this is the craziest thing right. I, my ears have ever heard. I, I got the point he was making. Right. Like this was a game where if you're, you're Tony Pollard and you've struggled for four or five weeks, okay, let's get right. Let's do it. And Ray, they scored 49 points. And if anybody had told anybody else, hey, the, the Cowboys are going to score 49, you think Tony Pollard's getting the end zone? They're like, hell yeah. You know, 95% of the respondents, yeah, he'll get nothing, Ray. 55 scoreless yards. It's it's backbreaking. Uh, we say it all the time, but a team scores that much and one of your guys doesn't even get involved. He doesn't. Rico Dowdle was in there late, as he should have been. You know, there's no reason to have Pollard out there in the third or fourth quarter. Uh, but Dowdle had a better game, which is just sand in the face of a Pollard owner after yesterday. Yeah, Pollard, by the way, first time all season, he didn't catch a pass. So he scored 49 points, didn't catch a pass, uh, ran for 55 yards. Um, 
he played three times as many snaps as Dowdle. He ran three times as many routes as Dowdle and did nothing. <laughs> and I think that this is, you know, we were taught, we, this has kind of been a theme unintentionally for the show today that everyone wanted Pollard to get the ball more. Ezekiel Elliott sucks. Ezekiel Elliott mm-hmm. sucks. Ezekiel Elliott sucks. They give the ball more to Pollard. And what happens? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. No, he's, he's looked worse. The production's been obviously worse. He's done nothing. And we're to the point, like, he scored two touchdowns in week one. Then he had 32 touches in week two. Then he ran for 120 yards in week three. Boom, gone. And we said it at the time, yeah. you know, through three weeks that he was either first or second in the league in touches. And both of us were like, whoa, that's this is a guy that had to get pulled out after two snaps in a row last year. Like, what's going on? And I don't know how much of that has to do with this, but he has not produced. He's not got in the end zone. He's got four catches for 14 yards the last three games. He's not involved in this offense other than getting three and a half yards of carry. And he's killing people because, yeah. you know, you look at this matchup and they're going to produce, they're going to score, they're going to have a big game. I wouldn't have said three touchdowns, but I would have said, yeah, you're starting him as a running back one this week. And it just didn't happen yet again. Uh, Cowboys leading all the football in week 10 with the 49 points. Uh, and of course, with no Kansas City, Miami and Philadelphia, we needed some points. Uh, so we got it from the Cowboys. We also got it from the Lions and the Chargers. Uh, that was a fun game. And I'm blown away, Ray. I mean, the Chargers constantly, this is just, they, they constantly lose these just rip your heart out games and it's it's got to be maddening to be a chargers fan they lose again yesterday 41 to 38 um and it was the proverbial shootout that fantasy players love like like golf was golf herbert was herbert keenan allen i think it's now eight games or something in his career with more than 10 catches he did it again i'm on ross st brown um probably the biggest takeaway here was what was going on in the lions backfield because we saw the return of david montgomery and, and the question was, Ray, would anything change from how Montgomery and, and Jameer Gibbs split work early in the season versus where we are in week 10? It, it was a little more Gibbs than maybe one would expect. I, I don't want to say that's the way it's going to be. This game was a shootout. This game was wide open. And, you know, so there were a lot of plays, a lot of big. So I, I don't want to say that's the way it is. 50-50 between Gibbs and Montgomery. What I did see that's worth talking about is Jameer Gibbs, both of his touchdowns were from a yard out, which used to be the province, right, of David Montgomery, right? Mm-hmm. He's supposed to. So, so that's probably the biggest, you know, eyebrow-raising moment is that Gibbs got both those short yardage games, gains when they were knocking on the door of the end zone. Yeah, I, I I was surprised by that. Now, going back to last week, I said I'd play David Montgomery over Gibbs. Technically, that was wrong. I also said I'd play both this week. Okay, so we were right in general. Uh, I think that what we saw yesterday, as you noted, was a, a real shootout game. And I think that there was a little, I'm not going to say concern, but let's get David Montgomery back and let him do some things. And I feel like next game we'll put more back on his plate. Uh, 38 to 25 snaps in Gibbs' advantage. 21 route, one routes run to 11 in advantage of Gibbs. Now, Gibbs will continue to lap Montgomery in the route run department in the pass catching game. I believe that. I was surprised by the disparity in the snap count uh, a little bit. And I think when you look at the, the way they were utilized, that that was the biggest aha moment because Montgomery could go out there and still, you know, get the ball at the one yard line. He did get the ball in the green zone too. He didn't yeah. get in the end zone that way. But I don't think that we should take too much away from Gibbs getting short touchdowns. I think the takeaway is that both these guys are integral to this offense. They had tons of success without a massive open field aerial game. Uh, And they're both likely to be usable, just like Swift and Williams were last year. 
Well, there's that question, you know, you're coming off a high ankle sprain like Montgomery is, you know, are you truly fully healthy? Are we ready to go? And and maybe there was some of that. A 75-yard touchdown run kind of answers a few of those questions, I think. Um, I think we'll continue to see more and more, and I think that will trend back to being even. Maybe not. Maybe Gibbs will start to become the lead guy in Detroit's backfield, but I'm, I'm not ready to call it after yesterday in that uh, victory against the Chargers. A lot of fun that game, 41-38. to 38. Uh, kind of surprising you get 79 points, and, and Sam Laporta wasn't really involved. Uh, Gerald Everett, by the way, uh, if you missed it, he got a zero, but he had a back injury, so he left. I bring up those two tight ends, Ray, because I want to switch gears to Minnesota. Okay. Uh, the Vikings are flying high, five straight wins, all five without Justin Jefferson, and now two of them without Kirk Cousins. <laughs> so sometimes a team can still win without the superstars. Uh, final score in that game yesterday, 27 to 19. Minnesota came out guns a blazing, and Ray TJ Hawkinson came out guns a blazing. 10 catches in the first half. Now, he had only one in the second half, but 11 catches, and I was blown away, Ray. 71 catches already for TJ Hawkinson. 71. Um, and I think it's he's like at 130 through his first 20 games with the Vikings. Yeah. I, this guy, TJ Hawkinson, Ray, has a very decent shot at over 100 catches this year, which usually that's Travis Kelsey and nobody else. Hawkinson may get there this year with this Vikings team. Yeah, and I have Hawkinson on a whole bunch of teams because I wasn't going to take Kelsey and Hawkinson kind of, oh, he's sitting there in the fourth round, let's go. Um, he... <laughs> The negative with him, and, and we saw this yesterday, he exploded yesterday for 10 yards a catch. Like, there's not a lot of after, you know, yards after the catch here, and he's not, yeah. he's just safety valve. But, you know, if you're catching six balls for 70 yards every week, that's a win in fantasy, even if you don't get in the end zone much. We saw the 11, 134 and a touchdown yesterday. And, you know, Dobbs is something, we talked about this when Dobbs was dealt to Minnesota. He loves throwing to the tight end. You saw it again yesterday. Uh, when you get Justin Jefferson back, the, the the balancing act then becomes: is he a six sixty guy Hawkinson, or is he a nine eighty guy? Because well, Jefferson will draw the the look the defense true, but Jefferson's also going to draw nine to twelve targets a week. So you know you're kind of in that zone where I think that Hawkinson's got a legit chance to catch hundred passes, like you said. He's a PPR monster. He's not a, a great necessarily great non PPR guy because he's not a huge red zone green zone touchdown threat. Uh, but it's just a continuation of what, as you noted, has been a pretty remarkable season today. You got to talk about Ty Chandler in this Vikings backfield. Uh, now, Madison, Alexander Madison, went to the tent. After the game, we heard, um, you know, concussion protocol, that kind of stuff. But even before that, we saw a lot of Ty Chandler. And, Ray, we've seen nothing of Ty Chandler this season before yesterday. Uh, he's in his second year, has done next to nothing with the Vikings. He's been whispered about on the periphery, you know, of things. Cam Akers is out for the season. So, okay, Ty Chandler moves up the depth chart, but Ray, the expectation, Madison's the guy. Yesterday, the final carry is 15 to 8. And Ty Chandler was as good, if not better, than anything we've seen from Alexander Madison this year. Madison has been given week after week after week to be the guy. And for the most part, it hasn't happened. Is, is that soon to be a split? Where do you stand on this Vikings backfield? Yeah, Madison ended up with a concussion, so we'll have to wait and see short-term what, what that plays out as. Madison has been bad, okay? He's gotten a lot – he's kind of been Joe Mixon-like. He's gotten a lot of work, 
hasn't really done anything. This team, if I'm not mistaken, you know, Cam Akers has the rushing touchdown. Peter Madison still doesn't, right? Yeah. Have a rushing score this year. Uh, we talked about this in the preseason. Madison is a zone runner playing in a power scheme. Okay, so that that's not a fit stylistically for his skill set to the offense they're running. And he's, for the most part, it's kind of been running into a wall, right? There just hasn't been much. So, you know, I think that Chandler uh, is someone that, you know, we have him as the number two guy on the running back grid over at fantasyguru.com. We talk about this all the time. You want to handcuff your running backs. If Madison misses this next game, which, you know, guys get concussions, they often miss games now. Chandler's going to be a hot pickup this week. Hopefully you already had him. But yeah. I think that Chandler certainly, there's an opportunity for him to at least split the backfield if not leak ahead of Madison, because he just hasn't done anything today. On the other side, Derek Carr is suffering a concussion. Uh, Saints have a bye in week 11, so we'll have to check in on his status. Also a shoulder injury, it sounds like, with Carr. So Jameis Winston came in, and he was Jameis Winston. Two touchdowns, two picks, you know, kind of the usual thing. Uh, although he had a couple of really nice touchdowns. Vikings win at 27-19. So, again, they've won five in a row. They're now 6-4. and four. Um, Moving elsewhere in the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers, they were on the road at Pittsburgh. Steelers win this game 23 to 19. And Ray, we were talking about the Cowboys backfield. We were talking about the Detroit backfield. We were talking about the Vikings backfield. Pittsburgh's backfield. This is not new. This has been a debate and a discussion all year. Uh, but yesterday against the Packers, whether you had Harris or you had Warren, it was good. Mm -hmm. Those guys both got work. Those guys both were successful. Both of them got in the end zone. My takeaway, Ray, is okay, may maybe this is uh more of a split than we would have expected a month and a half, two months ago. Maybe it's played out that way. And, and I'm starting to say that Ray, because look at the play calling yesterday, the, the Steelers seem to have gotten to the point with Kenny Pickett of saying, can't really win us games. We're, we're going to, we're not going to hide you, but we're not going to ask you to go out and, and win us games with your arm. 36 rushing plays by the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday to 24 passing plays. So that's three to two. Let, let me just put it in perspective. Nobody in the NFL does that over the course of the season. It's the other way around. Yeah, yeah nobody does the, the three to two rushing to passing over the course of the season. But the Steelers did it yesterday. And, Ray, this team is doing things in a very unique fashion. They they don't outgain you. Ever. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> For the season, I don't think they outscore you. Yet, lo and behold, as you look at the record, Ray, the Pittsburgh Steelers are 6-3. and three. Mm -hmm. So maybe they're just going to go with this rushing heavy attack, which means Harris and Warren can both be fed in this offense. What do you think mm -hmm. of my explanation there with the Steelers? I think that Mike Tomlin's going to the Hall of Fame. I think he's an excellent head coach, uh, and he gets his team ready and in position to win every week. I think Kenny Pickett is horrible. Um, <laughs> and I... I'm going to go a little further than you did. I think they are finally admitting we got to cover for this guy. We got to hide him. He's not good. He's not good. He doesn't do anything. He's just yeah. a, he's just a guy. Is just a guy. He should be a backup. He's not he's not ready now to lead a winning football team. And I don't know if he ever will be. To be honest, I just I don't see it. I'm not. I know everyone talks about fourth quarter comeback. He doesn't do anything. His goal is to not make a mistake. Which, to his credit, he didn't throw an interception yesterday. I think the backfield is how this team is going to win. I think they're going to play. Falcons football. I think they're going to play Titans football. They're going to try to win 23 to 19 like they did yesterday. That's what we're doing, guys. Let's go. Yeah. You know, that, and, and, you know, so he's a game manager, uh, which, you know, makes us very Deontay Johnson, who's, you know, getting 12 targets a week, catches one pass. Mm -hmm. Like this is 
So the backfield is the heartbeat of this offense. Uh, you look at the way they were utilized yesterday. They both played 33 snaps, the exact same amount. Warren ran four more routes, so they almost utilized as in a passing passing game the same way. There was one carry difference between the two guys. That's how they're winning football games. So I think that were we right about Harris because we said, yeah, I get Harris. No. Were we wrong about Warren? I'm going to say yes, but yeah. the reason we were wrong about Warren is that he's way more involved than we anticipated because we thought the offense would do some things through the air, and it's pretty clear they just can't. And to just build upon you know, how they're calling uh, the game, th- their offense is not good. They're like bottom six or seven in points. They're bottom five in yardage. Yet again, they're six and three. So how do they do it? Well, lately it's the rushing attack. So I, I would think, I would assume they just continue to do this. And as long as you stay close, you can. You know, if you build an early lead or you get the interceptions like this, you can do this. I, I look at their upcoming schedule and it's kind of, it's not, it's, there's like bad teams and then good teams. Like they have a really rough final three. Like the final three for the Steelers home against Cincinnati, at Seattle, and at Baltimore. That's a really difficult final three. Before that, though, they get Arizona, New England, and Indy. You know, which are teams that you can bore us, you know, with a 24-18 to win. Uh, This week, they're at Cleveland. Like, Ray, that just screams AFC North 17-14. to You know, the Steelers. So, I assume for the most part, most of these weeks, they're going to just run and run and run unless they're forced to play catch up, which they might be those final three weeks. But again, for a fantasy player, you might not even be playing those final three weeks on the Packers side, Ray, there's not much here. Um, you know, it's, it's another dead Christian Watson week. I, Jane reads, I guess the guy here is Christian Watson. I know he's involved, but the numbers suck for him this season. Yeah. He held his hand up. The ball bounced off his hand, went for an interception in the end zone. Uh, I, you know, wrote wrote this uh, somewhere. Uh, I think it was actually because I was prepping my. I don't even remember. I think I was prepping for this week already, week eleven. I don't think that Jordan Love threw a single pass in the second half that wasn't off his back foot. Really, like everything was woo. I'm getting away from the rush. Woo. Um, the offense is not good. Uh, it's not consistent. I think a large portion of that is Jordan Love has. I'm not going to say regress, but he has not stepped forward. He had a couple of good games to start the year, and then it's been a bunch of blah. Um, there is, there is a need in football to spread the ball around. It's very difficult unless you have a true alpha to throw 14 targets to one guy each game. Okay. I get that. But Reed five, Musgrove four, Wicks four, Dubs five, Watson seven, like everyone's getting five targets. That's really rough. So there's no one that love has a real connection with. There's no one that the, the, the play calling forces the ball to with the Packers. And when you do that, I don't think you have an answer. And when, mm-hmm. you know, Reed, I would have laughed at this six weeks ago, but now it's like, yeah. So this is just a messy scenario. And, you know, Watson was a guy that we got right in the preseason. Uh, Jeff Mann said all preseason, don't, 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 don't. Everyone, you know, looked the other direction. Oh, he scored all the eight touchdowns in four games mm-hmm. or whatever the hell it was. He's done nothing since. He's done nothing for like 10 NFL football games. And it's not getting any better. And I know people are wanting to pile on Jordan Love. He can't do it. I, I'm not there yet. I mean, it's still his first season, in effect. Um, it's not great, but it's not dreadful. I mean, there are dreadful quarterbacks out there. I don't think Jordan Love's one of those guys. One of those dreadful quarterbacks, Ray, might be Mac Jones. Um, yeah. We have to talk about the game in Frankfurt. Uh, 10 to 6. And 
Mac Jones gets bit. I, I don't even care. Like for, you know, we're a fantasy show. Who yeah. cares? I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, you play him. I don't think there's anybody else outside of maybe Hunter Henry that you think about this offense. Demario Douglas. He's emerging as a pass catcher. I mean, I, he's five catches. He's averaging five catches the last four games. Yeah, I don't care. Okay. Uh, Demario, I get that. Up. I don't need guys like that. It, this okay. offense is terrible. And I, I really don't care who starts in week 11 or week 12, I guess it would be because of the bye. Yeah. Um, on the indie sideline, Ray, though, the one takeaway is that the Zach, Mars, the Zach Moss fun is over. <laughs> we, we finally gotten to that point, I think, where Jonathan Taylor is being treated as the stud running back that he is with Indianapolis. Yeah, and we said this at the start. It was very weird the, the way the whole Jonathan Taylor thing played out this season. And then they get him back. They sign him to this massive contract. And what do they do? They slow play the crap out of him. Like, I guess they were really looking at year three of that contract. <laughs> like, they, they didn't want to throw him out there too aggressively. So they kept Moss involved. Moss is fifth in the NFL in rushing yards. As we said earlier in the show, he's fifth in the NFL in rushing yards. He's not even part of the offense anymore. He's gone. Uh, someone asked me, or multiple people have been asking me, like, what do you do with Moss? Well, this is hopefully the one league I have, Taylor. I have both these guys. So if you have Taylor, Moss is a must-get slash hold. Because if Taylor goes down, guess what? Zach Moss goes right back to getting 20 touches a week. Right now, it does not seem like this is a backfield like we see in some other areas. The, the Steelers we were just talking about where you can play both guys. The Lions where you can play both guys. You can't do that with the Colts. They've made the decision to turn the offense over to the guy that was one of the best in football before injuries, to the guy they paid like a superstar. So to your point, Zach Moss is a hold stash. He is certainly not a start any longer. That game, uh, pretty well a snooze fest. Not much different. Tampa and uh, Tennessee. I mean, Ray, I guess Mike Evans had a good game. Um, you know, again, we see Rashad White do nothing on the ground, but he saves his day with a catch and a run. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in Tennessee, I'll just point out, it's played out exactly as we expected. Will Levis had that huge first game. Now he goes on the road. And there's nothing. I mean, he had four touchdown throws in that first game. He's got zero in the last two. Both teams are just boring, Ray. And, hey, there's a lot of boring teams in the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't think Tennessee is making the playoffs. Tampa might sneak in. But, Ray, boring teams. Uh, is there anything we need to talk about here? Well, just Derrick Henry. Yeesh. 24 yards on 11 carries. Now, part of this is they didn't have the success in the air, right? The Bucs can be solid against the run. So they're you need to be able to push them through the air, which they should have been able to, weren't able to do. Levis was under duress a lot of the game. Um, Derrick Henry, disastrous effort. Derrick Henry still someone you fire up every week. Derrick Henry still looking at 15 to 20 touches and 80 yards and a touchdown as a, as a kind of baseline of what can happen. Uh, didn't happen yesterday, and it was terribly disappointing. Yeah, not much different than Saquon Barkley for me. Like most games, you, you have to start them, but I don't know if you're expecting much. But they have that ability to tear off a huge run, and and so you have to start them. And they can have those ceiling games, but not really counting on it with guys like Barkley and Henry. Uh, moving along, let's see. We've got the uh, return of Kyler Murray. That that was a little more exciting. Now yeah. I'll say this, Ray. Kyler Murray looked like Kyler Murray, which is good and bad. It's good because in less than a year, he's returned and he was able to scamper around and, you know, move in the pocket. You wouldn't know he was coming off. He looked good. So he's healthy. That's great. But he also looked like Kyler Murray in the fact that he still misses wide open receivers. His interception was probably the worst pick. Well, no, Mac Jones had the worst pick. Today. <laughs> but Kyler Murray's was really bad. He, he threw behind his receiver by like three yards. And, and, Ray, I expect rustiness, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm not calling the guy out for his first game back. The problem is I don't think it changes six weeks from now. Right. <laughs> but they won the game, and that's what matters. And, and they felt like they had a chance that entire game. So 
it was good to see him back. I know people were firing him up as their quarterback, and I, I thought he looked pretty well like Kyler Murray should look. Yeah, I think that I saw what I needed to see to feel confident moving forward. Okay, it's Kyler Murray. Now let's just assess the matchup versus worrying about rustiness or whatever. He ran around. He looked spry, all those kind of things. My takeaway beyond the obvious, which again is Kyler Murray's now we're okay to be talking about starting him each week. What the hell is going on? You have a number one draft pick who you paid $230 million to. You're down at the one-yard line, and here comes Clayton Toon. <laughs> Twice. Like I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Ray. It this this QB sneak thing, the tush push, it's it's been proven highly successful. So other teams are trying it. I, I will stand up for the Cardinals here, right? I don't understand why teams are throwing Jalen Hurts into a pile of 2,000 pounds of people falling. I don't get it. when you. So maybe Arizona is more on my side of like, let's just throw away Clayton Toon's career instead of Kyler Murray. Oh. Let's sacrifice Clayton Toon to the offensive and defensive lines instead of Kyler Murray, maybe? Well, but, but think about it. Let's take Mike Trout out in the ninth inning. <laughs> Let's bench Steph Curry with the game on the line when we need to make a three-pointer. Let's take out Connor McDavid. Let's not have him on the ice. Like, who does this? You paid this guy $230 million to lead your franchise in some flunky. <laughs> they need to outlaw the tush push. It's yeah. an embarrassment. It's an yeah. embarrassment. People can get hurt. It's dumb. The referees have no idea where the player is under the pile. They have no clue. It's just like you it's, said, 14 like, people laying on top of football. It's not rugby. And all that yeah. is is rugby. That's yeah. what it is. That's yeah. it. <laughs> and it, they don't know where the ball is. They refuse to put a chip in the football. They have no idea. You watch replays. There's 42 legs. You have. By the way, two almost fumbled at the goal line too on that. Yeah, that success yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I just, and I tweeted this out last night at the Ray Flowers. I tweeted. Out, I said, "Welcome to 2023 football, where it's you know, let's push the guy's ass." Versus actually having our, you know, leader of our franchise on the football field when we need a touchdown. Had, yeah. Would Joe Montana ever be taken out? Johnny Unitas, Dan Marino, any of these guys ever allow themselves to be taken <laughs> out? There is no way in hell they would come off the football field. Now it's just a common occurrence. Yeah. Um, we'll see if Marquise Brown can uh, get things figured out. Uh, James Conner was back, 17 carries, so looked pretty good there. Falcons, hey, give it up to Arthur Smith. 22 carries for B. John Robinson. That's a career high. Uh, first time since week two that he's had more than 14 carries. Uh, we did still see Tyler Algier late, so they, they can't completely remove themselves. And Janu Smith, uh, just to let you know, looked like Janu Smith. <laughs> one catch, one yard. Right when everyone played him. Yeah, right when everybody played him. Uh, Washington, Seattle. This was a fun one. 29-26, uh, to 26, and Geno Smith had some big moments. Tyler Lockett, some big catches. Uh, Lockett's kind of been better than DK Metcalf, by the way, this year. Uh, Kenneth Walker, big catch and run. Brian Robinson, big catch and run. Sam Howell. Ray, this one probably deserves a little bit of discussion because we've been talking about bad quarterbacks and not getting results. Sam Howell, Ray, because of the way this offense runs, they throw and throw and throw. He had 44 passes yesterday, and I don't see that changing. And Ray, the 44, 312 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. I, I can't see the commanders changing this the rest of the way. I, I'm not going to sit here and say he's a QB1 purely because of quantity some people are making that argument i mean hell he's gonna throw 40 times every week mm -hmm. but he's he's moved up in my estimation as a very certifiable qb2 i think for people this season i don't know if it was my tv by the way but watching this game did it look like the commanders were highlighted and seattle <laughs> was wearing like black uniforms like there was Muted. such a different yeah. like i was like 
watching my screen is like they're no my screen is fine it's could it's odd huh. visual um i think the answer to your question is we in the fantasy game can have results that don't match the real world uh i don't think sam howell is very good i'm not i haven't been overly impressed by sam howell but directly to your point when you're throwing the ball 44 times a week and you're not running the football and you you know you start trading away you know two of your four defensive line guys and then you start worrying about what do we got you know on that side of the football we're going to have to play catch up we're going to have to stay in game it's hard not to look at him and say he can be a QB1 now the problem with that is as an analyst when i break down the pieces of his game even when i look at a matchup it's like he doesn't grade out as a 10 you know he doesn't come out as the guy that yeah you got to have him out there so i think that it's an uneasy quarterback one which is what he's been and he likely will continue it to your point if he keeps throwing it 40 plus times a week. Yeah. Uh big win for the Seahawks. Uh they now go to six and three there. Um, as noted, you know, nothing outlay. I mean, Brian Robinson, six catches, 119 and a score. Um, he has not been that guy all season. So that was kind of a one-off there. They still don't run him. And again, this goes back to the play calling. They they refuse to run Brian Robinson, which I just think is weird. Uh, they don't use them, but yesterday they used them in the passing game. Uh, finally, Jets and the Raiders, Ray, um, 16 to 12, a lot of field goals here. Greg Zerline's a hero, I guess. Um, more than say, hey, give it up to Garrett Wilson. He gets yardage. Um, the, the Jets can't seem to understand that Brees Hall receiving is probably a better bet than Brees Hall running right now. Uh, the Raiders win this game, Ray. They're 2-0 and under Antonio Pierce. Uh, bravo to them. 27 carries for Josh Jacobs. That's good. Over 100 yards for the first time this year. Uh, still not getting much of anything from Devontae Adams. It started out good on Sunday, Ray, and then nothing in the second half for, for Adams and the Raiders. Yeah, and, you know, they've kind of battened down the hatches, if you will, the Raiders, right? We're going to run the ball. We're going to use a rookie quarterback. That Where is he at in his development? Well, he's very early. We're not going to have a lot of success through the air. Um, you know, one week it's Jacoby Myers. The next week it's Devontae Adams getting eight targets, 10 targets, 12 targets. Uh, we know that Jacobs is going to dominate touches and snaps and all of that, but this passing attack is very much stuck in the mud, but the Raiders are five and five and they're trying to change the culture and they, they beat a team that is not very good. Uh, if people didn't see the game, uh, by the way, Zach Wilson had a rushing touchdown where he was ruled out at the two yard line because he's or three yard line because he stepped on the, the sideline. Mm-hmm. Brees Hall had a touchdown. They got called back on a penalty. So there were there was potential for there to be some offensive excitement for the Jets, mm-hmm. but in the end they lost sixteen to twelve to a Raiders team that doesn't have much to get excited about in the fantasy game. We got any more uh, primetime Jets games? Oh yeah, I, I, I hope they don't flex anything, Kyle. Um, Aaron Rodgers said he will be back in mid December. That's that's what he said. So Ray, you mentioned flex. They'll probably yeah. flex something. Oh, they they've got the Black Friday game, mm. the first ever Black Friday. Now that's not it's the only game. It's like three o'clock in the afternoon, so that's prime. Oh, they, they are listed Thursday night football raid, December 28th, uh, at Cleveland. And again, if Aaron Rodgers is back, why would so <laughs> there's the more Jets to come, people? You're not finished with them. Uh, gonna get to Ryan Clifford real quickly. I'll say this. Um, in the chat room, we were talking about the tush push, and, and somebody disagrees with us. Uh, a bunch of crying you guys have outlawing the tush push. Uh, defenses should just stop it. Um I would ask you this. If you ran the tush push on first down, second down, and third down, would you get a first down? Would you even get to third and five or fourth? You wouldn't. Defenses are stopping it. Defenses are giving up like a yard per play. If, if I told you you would run a play 
and and you're going to get stopped a yard, maybe a yard and a half. Would you say that's a successful play? Would you disagree that defenses are failing to stop it? <laughs> it's just a dumb play. <laughs> that's, that's the well, problem. They are stopping it, Ray. If you tried to run that, if you ran it on second and six, do you think it would work? No. It's it's not a play. It, it's it's purely a force rugby brawl. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah, it's like it's like a scrum or scrum in, in hockey where everyone just crashes yeah. the net and we try to have the puck just slide underneath as everyone's running into the goalie. It's not it's not a real play. It's a bunch of dudes. And I think the biggest problem is what I said. The, the, on at least half of these plays, you have if not more, you have no idea where the quarterback is down. You have no yeah. idea. It's, yeah. You don't know if he's in the end zone or not. So it's it's taking advantage of the way the rules are. There's no other sport like this. We saw who did it yesterday in the middle of the field. I'm trying to remember. There was a play where a running back, ah, oh geez, I'm drawing a blank. He had like got like an extra 14 yards. I think it was in the Tampa game because they just kept running into him. But it's not. Oh, and they kept pushing him down yeah, the field. Am I right? Hawkinson gained like an extra 10 yards on one of those plays. Yeah, and it's just, ball. you know, it's not, that's not, it's supposed to be a battle between the guy with the football and the guy trying to stop him. Yeah. Not which 350 pound guy pushing which 350 pound guy. That's what they do in the offensive line. It's not, it's just, it's not, it's a scrum and it's just, it's bad looking. It's dangerous for the players and the referees, to my point, which is number one, have no idea where the ball is in that <laughs> pile, so they can't even rule properly on what occurred. Okay, we have gone game by game on Sunday. Let us now get you set for Monday Night Football. Ryan Clifford is with us, back hanging out to talk some uh, DFS showdown. Denver at Buffalo tonight. Um, I, I complained even last week, Ryan, that like the Thursday night, the Sunday morning, the Sunday night, and the Monday night were pretty awful matchups. The first three have all played according to, to expectations. They've been terrible. <laughs> Is tonight going to be terrible, or, or can the Broncos and the Bills maybe give us some fireworks tonight? Yeah, it's going to be hard to match the the, the boringness <laughs> of the last three. Uh, Sunday morning, throw that in there. That was pretty terrible yeah. as well. Um, yeah, I think, I think the – the game tonight will have a little bit more excitement than those three. Ryan, obviously Josh Allen's the top guy in terms of salaries, the top guy in terms of expectations. Is he a must start? Is it like, hey, I know everyone's going to do it, but I just got to do it here in the showdown slate? Or would you potentially go in a different direction and not play Josh Allen this evening? No, I think he's he's got to be in your lineup. He's been in eight straight uh, showdown lineups, eight straight games. Uh, I think three of those have been captain. So as bad as the Bills offense has looked here the past few weeks, Josh Allen is the one guy that's still producing. Um, you look at the dual threat ability, that's what we're always looking for in showdown as far as our captain uh, options go. And Allen definitely has that. Uh, on the other side of the field, you look at Russell Wilson. He's been an optimal captain just once in the showdown games, and I think his last 37 games since the start of 2021. So he's out. Um, look at the Bills; they're choosing. Seems like they're not running the ball at all. Uh, should be noted, Denver is allowing the most rushing yards per game. Uh, of course, game script uh, in Broncos games has factored into that, but. You know, James Cook's workload is just getting stripped away, it seems, week by week. I think he was only on the field 55% of the offensive snaps last week. So throw the Bills running backs out as if you're looking for a captain. So, you know, it really, to me, comes down to uh, Allen, you know, maybe Stephon Diggs. And then uh, on the other side of the field, don't forget about the Broncos uh, wide receivers there. The Bills 
are down uh, on, I think, the three of their starting quarterbacks. So um, decimated Bill's defense on the other side. Ryan, let's talk a little bit more about Stefan Diggs uh, over on DraftKings. Uh, Josh Allen's 18,900. Diggs is next up at 18,000. We had a lot of people on Sunday worried about playing Jamar Chase with his back issue. Maybe it wasn't spectacular, but he had the long touchdown, 100 plus yards, that kind of thing. We have Stefan Diggs with a back issue as well. He's fully expected to play. He says he's fine. That's lingering maybe in some people's minds. Uh, is Diggs a must-go? Because he and Allen have made sweet music for the majority of this season. They have. I think you got to be a little bit more cautious on Diggs uh, just because, you know, the Bills transitioning to that spread uh, offense once Dawson Knox went down. So you've got Diggs, you've got Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakir, and Dalton Kincaid pretty much, you know, on the field for almost all of the, you know, the routes the Bills are running. So, um yeah, I, I think the ball can be spread around in Buffalo. Uh, we saw it a couple weeks ago where Gabe Davis and Kincaid went off and Diggs had a pretty quiet day. Uh, so especially, you know, you mentioned the injury report issues earlier this week with Diggs. I think uh, you should be a little cautious with him. You brought up the name Gabe Davis. He is one of seven players uh, available in the showdown tonight that if you captain him, he would be in double digits, you know, 10,000 or above. He'd cost that. Is he a sucker bet? Because, I mean, Ryan, it is, like, you look at his game by game last week with zero catches. And if he, if he captained a guy with zero catches last week, you're still paying over 10 grand uh, to, to get a hold of, of Gabe Davis. I, I would guess, like, in a showdown, he's, like, your your biggest boomer bust. If, if you've got him in your lineup, if you win money, it's because Gabe Davis did something. But if you lose money in your cash game lineup or whatever it is, it's because Gabe Davis did nothing. Where, where do you stand on him? Is he is he more trouble than he's worth? Yeah, I think so. I think you nailed it with boomer bust. You know, if you're in a, a large field GPP, maybe you're looking at a guy like Gabe Davis. Bill's offense has been frustrating. I saw a breakdown this past week where they're literally just running the same play. Like almost every time that Allen drops back and at what Gabe Davis is doing more often than not, it's just running go route to the end zone. And yeah. You know, you talk about boomer bust. If he catches some of those balls, he's going to have a monster fantasy game. But, you know, more often than not, we're going to see, you know, one catch or two catches. Uh, you know, maybe he gets a touchdown in there. But, yeah, I'd steer clear of Davis for the time being until the Bills offense can get figured out, I think. All right, Ryan. Is it time? And by that, I mean, is it time that Roy Kent finally emerges? Uh, Javante Williams had 18 touches two games ago. Last time out, I think he had like 30 touches. It seemed like he's finally taken over the backfield. Talk to us about Javante Williams tonight. He's at 7,200. Uh, what are we doing with Javante Williams on the Monday night slate? Yeah, I like him a lot here. As bad as the Denver as Denver's offense has been, they're second in the league in yards per attempt rushing. Uh, Javante Williams has been getting more and more work as the weeks go on. Um, Bill's defense has just uh, been obliterated by injuries. So I think tonight is is a good night for Williams. Um, you know, if Denver's smart, they'll lean on him heavily here to start and try to keep uh, Allen off the field as much as they can. So uh, I think you nailed it. Uh, as a side note, Roy Kent, man, I had to search Twitter. Uh, one, one day I heard people on the radio show talking about Roy Kent. I had to search Twitter, <laughs> figure out what the heck that was. So I uh, figured it out, but you'll have to explain that to me off the air sometime. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking before I looked at the the salaries here, I was like, oh, Khalil Shakir, that, that'd be a decent play, you know, kind of underrated. And 4,400 though. I, I was kind of, that seemed pricey. Like that's no man's land. You're looking for guys like a thousand or below, maybe 2K. 
4,400. I, I was surprised how high that tag was on Shakir. Yeah, for sure. And the thing is, I think he'll still get a lot of ownership tonight just because the way you're building lineups, you know, you're throwing in the Diggs and the Allens and, and, you know, Wilson on the other side and maybe some of the Denver receivers, you know, you need some of these cheaper plays. Shakir is on the field a whole yeah. lot now um, in Buffalo. He's become one of Allen's favorite receivers the past couple of weeks. So uh, definitely don't sleep on Shakir. Uh, if it were up to me, though, you look on the other side, Denver's offense, Denver's a team that's passing the ball a whole lot because they're trailing a whole lot. You've got a guy like little Jordan Humphrey or Traquan Smith, both minimum price on DraftKings, uh, you know, going to see probably the same amount of work as Shakir. So uh, I think I'd pivot to one of those guys if it were up to me. You know, 47 and a half is the game total, at least where I'm looking at. Um, that's actually good in today's NFL. <laughs> you know, we, we see a lot of games, 36, 38, 40. Are, are we getting there tonight? What's your model say? I've got it going under. Um, I do like the Bills a little bit more. Or I like the, the Broncos a little bit less. Um, okay. So, yeah, I am going under. I've got it around 42, I think. Uh, 8.15 tonight, Bills hosting the Denver Broncos for more on this showdown slate, we invite you to head over to fantasyguru.com. Ryan, as always, has the showdown write-up, does one for Sunday, does one for Thursday, and, of course, we like to visit with him on a Monday leading up to a little MNF. Okay, Ryan, appreciate it, man. I know you'll be uh, hanging out in Discord a bit later, uh, but thanks for the help here uh, this afternoon, okay? Yeah, thanks, guys. Our man Ryan Clifford hanging out with us leading up to some Monday Night Football. What do you think, Ray? Over, under, 47 and a half between these two tonight. Under. We'll get in the 40s, but it'll be under. What do you think? I, Denver's a pretty bad defense. I, I know they haven't been like Miami bad, you right. know, 70 points to the Dolphins. But the Bills haven't been straight. I'm going to say Bills win this pretty easily, like a 28 to 10 win, Yeah, which I guess would be way under. I think the Bills offense will be fine. You know, they'll handle their duties. I just don't think Denver gets really anything. Even against the Bills, I think Monday Night Football, their defense will be a bit better. Uh, give me the Bills to cover, and I'll take the under as well. So okay. that is where I will land. Um, okay, we have landed near the conclusion. Yeah, the conclusion of everything we do on Fantasy Sports Daily. Tomorrow, we're back at you, 11 a.m. Eastern. We will be live on YouTube, mm-hmm. live on X, mm-hmm. live on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray, we will be tape delayed. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Um, on, on your podcasting listener spot, whatever, Spotify, Apple, Ray does all this. If you haven't Pandora. noticed, Ray is the guy that handles all the tech here. Cause I, 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 I Ray, this is like all I know, a microphone. <laughs> I know how to plug that in and I know how to talk. You're lucky enough. You get to see me on camera, right. but everything else is Ray. He handles all that cool, fancy, smashy stuff. I appreciate that. Yeah, we have the show, obviously, on YouTube. It's stored there, youtube.com slash at Elite Plus Network. You can always find it live or, you know, after the fact. Uh, We also post the show over at fantasyguru.com, so you can just check it out the website if you're subscribing there. Uh, We're also on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts. You can find the links to all those on the YouTube page or just search Fantasy Sports Daily. Uh, don't forget to go to the website, use the promo code FSD20 over at fantasyguru.com. You get a discount on everything, like literally everything you get 20% off, FSD20. We've got the all-in MVP package, which includes college football, uh, basketball, hockey, golf, nat- racing, all those things. That's on like a 50% discount right now there as well. So 
Use that promo code FSD20 if you like what you see here. Uh, you can also find us, I don't think we mentioned, Kyle, on Facebook as well. Oh, I mentioned Facebook, right? I would never forget Facebook. Oh, okay. okay. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of hoops, which you touched on, uh, tomorrow I think Justin Finsterman is going to join us. And we got a huge, not huge, it's, it's a very manageable but big DFS slate for Tuesday. Uh, so we'll take a preview at that. Justin and his crew, they handle the, the cheat sheets and the DFS write-ups for NBA each and every night. Uh, and then on Tuesdays, most Tuesdays, we check in with Justin. So that is the plan for tomorrow. Monday night football thoughts, maybe some waiver wire discussion as you go into bidding. Uh, that is the plan for tomorrow. So we get live at 11 a.m. Eastern, and then uh, you can find us about 30 minutes after we sign off on Tuesday. And for today, if you, uh, you want to say, hey, you need to listen to this, uh, tell your friends about us. They can subscribe, and uh, it'll be right there and good to go. Okay, Ray, uh, good stuff today. A pleasure as always, and uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. Looking forward to it, Kyle, as always. Kyle Alfrank here. This has been Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.